0: Hi, I'm Paul J. Welcome to the Analysis.news. Please don't forget the donate button and subscribe and all the buttons. Uh, We'll be back in just a few seconds to talk to Bob Poland about the economic crisis we're in, in inflation and supply chains and, and all the various issues that are arising. So we are in what's being called the post-pandemic recovery, Um, and it's never been clearer that the United States is divided into those who are awash in cash. Of course, at the highest levels, they're completely uh, perhaps drowning in cash, but there's larger segments of the society that do have some spending power right now, disposable income. Uh, Of course, there's large sections of the society who are struggling. And do not have disposable income and got really uh, hammered during the whole pandemic crisis. But there is an interesting situation now where there is, quote unquote, a labor shortage. Uh, People, uh, at least for now, seem to be having some choice in what kind of jobs they want. And people don't want uh, jobs that are paying uh, minimum and crappy wages um, and are, are, are exercising some judgment on where they're going to work. Uh, unemployment benefits are running out. Uh, Various other kinds of government subsidies are running out. Uh, uh, And of course, there's this uh, supply chain problem, uh, which uh, it seems to me was completely foreseeable. But uh, I don't know if it's because of the irrationality of capitalism or there's something else going on. But there's dozens and dozens of ships, as everybody has seen on the news, filled with containers uh, sitting off the port of Los Angeles and other ports. And they're talking about the consumer price index, the, what people really pay to live, uh, could be going up as much as 4-5%. or 5%. Uh, If you listen to Bloomberg uh, Radio, uh, some things people have to buy might be going up in price as much as 10%. Um, and there's, of course, a big debate on whether this is temporary as the recovery uh, sets in, or is there something more being baked in? And the Fed is saying, the economists at the Fed who apparently seem, are supposed to know more than others, seem to think it's temporary. Uh, but right now, even if people have some disposable income, uh, they're getting hurt in their cost of their day-to-day life. So now joining me to talk about all of this is Bob Poland. Bob's the co-founder of the Perry Institute, uh, which is the Political Economy Research Institute in Amherst, Massachusetts, and he co-authored a book with Noam Chomsky titled Climate Crisis and the Global Green New Deal, the Political Economy of Saving the planet and of course Bob has authored many books on income inequality and, and the issue of the worker rights of workers and so on. so thanks for joining me again, Bob.
1: very glad to be on. thank you Paul.
0: So one of the interviews we did last, we talked about this is a few months ago. Uh, we talked about the possibility of some inflation and you were saying a little bit of inflation isn't so bad if it's because workers wages are going up um, well the inflation that seems to be setting in now whether it's temporary or not actually doesn't seem to be all that connected to workers wages at least not very much uh, it's to do with uh, the price of energy going up it's the global supply chains it's all the uh, comp- uh, to my mind complete irrationality and lack of planning Or deliberate chaos, because maybe there's money to be made out of this crazy shit. But I know when when I I played that interview, I got a lot of feedback on YouTube saying, yeah, sure, Poland's saying a little inflation's not so bad, but he doesn't have to worry about his, you know, what would it cost to buy groceries every month. Um, So start with a little bit of dealing with what people objecting to how you were saying a little inflation's not so bad. And then where are we at?
1: Okay, so um, let's say, what is inflation, first of all? So inflation means the rise in general price levels. So if we look at overall prices, we take a basket of goods uh, that includes necessities, and it's not just one price that's rising, but it's this overall basket, which means that in order to sustain someone's living standard, Um, it's going to cost more. So that's what we mean by inflation. So there's two basic causes of inflation. And one is, yes, when workers achieve more bargaining power, they bargain up their wages. So that's the part that I was saying was good. They bargain up their wages, and then businesses try to pass on those additional labor costs in the form of higher consumer prices. So the good part of the inflation would be if the wage increases are exceeding the, the price increases that the businesses are trying to pass on.
0: And that's usually the case, isn't it? That even if they try to pass it on,
1: they can't in fully fact,
0: it act, they can't really fully pass it on. Yeah. So increased wages actually is an advantage because some, some people try to argue there's no point even trying to fight for higher no, wages. No,
1: So for, for the most part. I mean, I you know I've been doing um, you know working with different unions on wage bargaining. Right now, I'm doing it with without revealing the details with one of the largest uh, union contracts in the country right now. And so we we know what you know what the wage increase that we want to get in order for the real incomes after we factor in inflation, after we factor in inflation that their living standard of the workers is still going to go up. So that. That is one source of inflation. The other basic source of inflation is what we say in the, in the economics world is uh, supply shocks. Um, in other words, when you have something the most prevalent form of a supply shock is really big jumps in oil prices. Uh, you can also have supply shocks if you have, for example, breaks in a supply chain. So the, the big one that's happening right now, in addition to the energy Issue is with the semi, um, semiconductors uh, that are that go into, in particular, into cars, and it's slowing down the rate at which car, new cars get built because there is this shortage of semiconductors. So right now, you know, the when we talked, whenever it was a few months ago, um, what it looked like the major source of inflation. Uh, was going to be wage increases, and I took that to be a, a positive. So when we talk about, well, I don't know what it takes for people to buy their groceries. Well, I, maybe I don't, but I think I have a reasonably good idea. Uh, and if your wages are going up by 5% and the cost of buying groceries is going up by 2%, well, then you've just improved your living standard by 3%, which is not trivial once it's compounded over uh, some years. Um, so that's one thing. But if the supply, okay, okay. Be, be,
0: can I add, just before you talk about supply, let me just add one thing to that. I think it's going to be true that unionized workers that get a pay increase may get that extra, say, three percent, but unorganized workers may not. They actually might get hit, and there's a very simple answer to that, which is, excuse the language, fucking get organized because you're going to get screwed if you don't get organized. It doesn't matter whether wages go up, down, sideways. If you don't get organized, you're going to get screwed. And so that's the only answer there is to that. But sorry, go go ahead.
1: Yeah. So in terms of the supply issue, there's really what's going on right now is there's really two supply shocks happening right now. And one is the oil energy prices. So I'm just looking. I just printed this out a couple hours ago from the Department of Labor. So for the September of this year, relative to September last year, we do have a very high measured inflation rate, 5.4%. That's very high by historic standards. It's, it's high. Um, now, what are this? It's not, but it's not evenly distributed across the whole country. The biggest price increases by far are in the energy sector, in particular gasoline prices gasoline prices relative to last year have gone up by 42 percent now it's true that they were really d- depressed during the during the severe the most uh, downturn period of the of the covid crisis because people weren't traveling as much and there was a glut of energy uh, because of you know airline travel and so forth having collapsed but nevertheless what we're observing now is this Increase in oil prices, in particular, what we're seeing, gasoline at the pump, is up 42%. That's massive. Uh, And that's a big part of people's overall spending package. Um, Other energy prices are in the range of 20%. The other big area of price increase is uh, used cars. Uh, And used cars, uh, because what happened there is that the um, the car rental agencies have been selling off their cars when they, their businesses were collapsing. So they were selling off their supply of cars. And so then we have this situation where the, those cars are already either mothballed. And so we don't. And now to, to uh, rebuild the stock, we have this shortage of semiconductors. So those are the two big areas. And of course, the energy cost increase feeds into everything else in the economy. So let's focus on the energy supply issues. Okay, right now, so we have this debate, and Putin is strutting around saying, Well, guess what? You all need me more than I need you. And we have Orbit in Hungary saying that the green agenda is destroying the global economy. That was just today or yesterday. Uh, So, what do we do about that? I mean, the basic answer is straightforward in that one of the things that even the, you know this commission led by Alan Greenspan and other leading orthodox economists uh, in terms of addressing the climate crisis, they are proposing uh, you know, a, a tax, energy tax, and, um, and a subsidy for people to uh, help them absorb the increased costs of energy. So tax and rebate, tax and rebate. And so what we could do right now is, is for the moment, is instead we're effectively getting the tax part because the prices of energy are going up. So let's just let's just introduce the rebates. And so uh, people will be rebated, people will be covered uh, to uh, address this, these increase in energy costs. And that's how we get through the immediate crisis. In the meantime, it serves the benefit of, okay, we have much higher gasoline prices. Well, over time, we'll figure out how to Save uh, on energy consumption, buy more efficient cars, or start buying electric vehicles and you don't have to worry about the price of gasoline but that's obviously not a short-term solution, but for the short-term solution then we people should be rebated for these uh, for this spike in energy costs
0: and there's another thing that could be done uh, which has been talked about from the point of view of climate change which is nationalizing the fossil fuel industry phasing it out but if you nationalize the fossil fuel industry you could also decouple from the global oil market because the united states produces enough oil for itself yeah. why do you have to sell at those prices just because the quote unquote global market is that same thing in canada canada has enough oil for canada why why is canadian oil being sold to canadians at some global market price when it could be sold. In fact, in Venezuela, they, they sell at a much cheaper price to their own people. Yeah. I mean, too cheap, actually, probably. But the, uh, the, the the whole issue is this irrationality of the way capitalism is operating now at, at, a, at a time of existential crisis. Uh, uh, even the semiconductor story is the same kind of irrationality. It just got explained to me the other day. By the guy that actually invented the silicon chip. And he, and I mean, he's not the only one who knows this, but he, it's the first time I really heard it clearly. Because Intel and the other American uh, companies that use and, and sell semiconductors, it was cheaper for them to outsource semiconductor uh, production to Taiwan and South Korea. And then it turns out there's only one country that produces the machines that make the high-level semiconductors, and that's Holland. and if All the factories in Taiwan and all the semiconductor producers in in South Korea, which is mostly Samsung, all buy from Holland. Well, when there was this big downturn in the pandemic and the car industry and everyone thought they weren't going to sell much, they pulled back on the orders of the semiconductors. So the whole production line was slowed down, and it's the same irrationality that's affecting the other other parts of the global supply chain. And it's all because of globalization as a way to undercut the wages of American workers. Uh, the irrationality is just boggles the mind. And now, apparently, it's going to take them five to ten years to try to repatriate semiconductor production, assuming they, they actually really do it.
1: Well, you could say it's irrational, or you could say it's rational, because if it has led to increased profits for capitalists, that's well, short short term short term rational. A, rational yeah. yeah but the point being that you know I think we talked about it some months ago and I actually wrote an article about nationalizing the uh, fossil fuel industry a year ago when the price of, of you know of the oil companies uh, had fallen by whatever it was it was fallen by more than half could have we could have the US Treasury could have bought the entire fossil fuel industry for maybe a tenth of what they were in Putting into Wall Street to to bail out Wall Street. I mean, they could still do it now. They can't do it for the the at the price that was available uh, a year and a half ago. But okay, that's a good one. I like it. Let's be real. That one's not going to happen. The one that I'm proposing, uh, at least it it's endorsed effectively by you know the leading orthodox economic uh, wise people in the world. I mean. You have this document supported by you know, the likes of Alan Greenspan, Janet Yellen, uh, Larry Summers. I don't agree with all these people on a lot of things. But you could say, I mean, this is effectively what they're saying, tax and rebate. Or actually, in the terms of my UMass colleague who really developed the whole concept, Jim Boyce, he called it tax and dividend. Um, but whatever we want to call it, you make people whole. And it would be easy to make people whole. they are not losing any money. But you also have the disincentive to fill up with oil as opposed to other alternatives such as high efficiency or transitioning to electric vehicle, uh, because exactly because the price of uh, of consuming oil is up, and so making the people whole, though is critical. And that you know the fact that you know in uh, France whatever it was three years ago when. President Macron introduced a uh, carbon tax proposal, and he got destroyed by the so-called yellow vest movement, working people saying, you don't know what our lives are like. It's, you don't know what it takes to put groceries on the table. That was because not that he introduced the, the carbon tax, because there was no rebate part of it. Without the, uh, recognizing the distributive impacts on working people. It's always going to blow up. it's always going to be a disaster. It can be successful in in Alaska. It's been going for years, and even Sarah Palin supported when you know the revenue from the oil companies came into the state of Alaska. They just distributed it to the citizens. everybody got a share. It's the same idea and workers
0: don't get how much subsidization is taking place. For example, in the stock market, the stock market is at historic highs in spite of global supply chain catastrophes and on and on. Uh, Every every week, you read about a new high in the market. And of course, it's like, what is it, 3% or 5% of the population that really benefits the most? I mean, a lot of people are in the game because of pension funds. But the real gains in terms of the amount of money that the people who reap the benefit of the market, I think it's, it's three to five percent of the population, and it's because of the Fed is 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 essentially guaranteeing that they won't let the market
1: crash. No, not not effectively, absolutely, explicitly. I mean, we had the bailout uh, over the last year of unprecedented proportions: twenty percent of GDP, four trillion dollars. The Fed pumped into Wall Street, absolutely unprecedented. And that's why, you know, if that hadn't happened, the, you know, Wall Street would have collapsed. Who knows where capitalism would be right now. And so, you know, that has to be recognized as absolutely central to our understanding of how capitalism is working now. Wall Street is massively subsidized beyond people's belief. The fossil fuel companies are massively subsidized right now. And those are the things that, yeah, it, once we factor those in and our understanding of those, uh, that's how you can, it's the only way that you can explain the fact that when you know, we had the, the uh, COVID crisis, half of the U.S. workforce uh, was laid off over the course of 12 months, and we're getting unemployment insurance. Same time, Wall Street goes up by 50%. Never happened. Nothing like that's ever happened.
0: All right. What's your take on this debate? Is this inflation, you know, relatively temporary, maybe a year, maybe eighteen months, or is there something more being baked baked in here?
1: You know, the likelihood, in my view, that it is that it's temporary, because uh, the, the inflation that we're seeing is supply shock, uh, supply chain, oil, and uh, the main thing with respect to oil is, as we've talked about, is just stopping dependence on oil and other fossil fuels. And if we can't do it within the next 12 months, okay, we can't do it. Well, then subsidize people to protect them against the depredations of the oil companies. Uh, and then we transfer our spending out of oil and other fossil fuels altogether. Uh, that will be key. And, you know, I've argued this for a long time. Uh, especially when we talk about developing economies, that getting off of oil is the most important thing they can do. Forget about the green agenda, just in terms of running an economy, a macro economy, because oil importers in developing economies, they're completely dependent on the global oil market. So if it, you know, it, Of course, it hurts us. But if you see a 40% increase in the price of oil in, say, Kenya or other sub-Saharan African countries, I mean that's absolutely devastating. That means that they have to impose austerity just to pay for the oil in order to keep the economy operating minimally. So we have to get off of this dependence for, if for no other reason, just in terms of stabilization, even even beyond uh, advancing a green agenda. All right. Thanks very much, Bob. Great. Thank you. And.
0: Thanks for joining us. And uh, instead of asking for donations, I'm only going to say, get organized.
1: Get organized. I agree. Get
0: organized. Thanks again.